Bryn Communications, industry members, and eye care professionals are coming together to create a forum that connects the vision community in these unprecedented times. This program has been made possible in part with support from our premier sponsors, Allergan, Johnson Johnson Vision, Airy, Novartis, and Santen. We'd like to thank all of our sponsors for their support of this programming. I'm Dr. Jessalyn Quint here today with my co-host, Dr. Rachel Rubel, and we are excited to be back. For those of yes, for those of you that are listening or if you're tuning in live, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Today's gonna be really fun. We've got something to talk about that Rachel and I are both super passionate about, and that is having an online presence. So we're gonna talk about the different social media platforms that are out there and even a little bit of personal branding. Rachel and I both love Instagram, so if you don't already follow us, give us a follow. And we've found that it's been a really great way to connect with colleagues and even gain a little bit of exposure within our industry. And our guests today are no strangers to Instagram. However, they have really impressive YouTube channels. So we thought we'd have them on here today for a discussion because not all of us are back to work. Everyone's opening up slowly. And this gives us all an opportunity to potentially build our professional and personal brands. Uh, you never know what opportunities could open up from that. So here to talk about their brands are Dr. Joe Allen, an optometrist at Buffalo Eye Clinic in Minnesota. And he's got an amazing YouTube channel for patients called Dr. Eye Health, as well as an Instagram called the same name. And he has a new video series with Modern Optometry called Eye Care Insiders. So welcome, Dr. Joe. And Thank you so much. <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> and we also have with us today Dr. Melanie Denton Dembrowski. She's a practice owner in North Carolina and also has a YouTube channel called Salisbury Eyewear and Eye Care. And she manages two Instagram accounts. So welcome to uh, the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Well, we are so excited that you guys are here. You guys are just social media giants. And so I know Rachel and I are super excited to pick your brains a little bit. Um, but I do want to remind our viewers that if any of you guys that are listening live have questions, use the chat box. Uh, we'll get through them through the episode as best we can. So let's, let's kind of start with the basics. How did each of you guys just get started on social media? Joe, let's start with you. Give us Give us your story. All right. Uh, there are, so I, I, so right out of residency, I started working at, at an, as a, at a private clinic at the Buffalo Eye Clinic, just at part time. But I got kind of frustrated with a lot of things, uh, mainly because at that time we were going through, that was about the time that uh, the 2016 election was going on. And at that same time, I was starting to kind of realize how much kind of advertisements and information was going on online. And I even realized that there were some, some companies pumping out advertisements that painted eye care providers in a very poor light. And it wasn't, their information wasn't necessarily truthful. And I, it really frustrated me. It got me pretty angry. And I was like, well, if these other companies are kind of swaying people's like people's thought process and they're being able to sway voters during an election and they're swaying and kind of teaching people wrong information about eye care and products, then I was like, well, why can't I make 
social media posts that tell people the truth and help people understand the value of good eye care and good vision products. So that was just one of the many things that kind of pushed me in this direction, but was certainly a, a strong motivating factor. That's awesome. And I think that that's so important for our profession. So thank you for being a trailblazer and doing that because there is a lot of mis, uh, misinformation out there. And it's, you know, as a optometrist, it's our responsibility to do that. So you started with YouTube then, correct? Yeah. Uh, well, my very first post about eye care anywhere was on Facebook and it was a really sad attempt at uh, showcasing some brand of frames that we had that I really liked and I kind of was like modeling after other people's posts trying to kind of compare okay well what do they did what angle were they taking the photo at I, you know, I was a complete amateur I don't I didn't know how to use cameras I still don't feel like I know how to use cameras but I uh, I remember just like comparing other people's photos being like okay this angle where's the light come from okay, now what kind of text do I put in here? I think I know what hashtags are. I'm not sure which to put in here. So it was very much baby steps. Uh, but that kind of was just my initial kind of getting my wheels turning uh, before I even jumped in on YouTube. Melanie, what about for you? How did you first get started? So I actually started my own practice cold in 2016. Um, so I was out of school for like about five years before I did so. And in the meantime, I had gotten an MBA and I knew that I was going to start a business the entire time. And so I was sort of like planning and scheming the whole time. And so in 2016, when I started my practice, I hit social media really, really hard. And I started with Instagram. I loved Instagram at the time because you were able to push out posts to Twitter and Facebook. And so I was super, super busy um, building my practice, but I could easily get to all three platforms. And you can still do that, of course, by the way. But that was kind of how I started. And then in 2017, I made the connection that Google actually owns YouTube. And I was really, really trying to get to the top of SEO. I was trying to optimize my practice and get as many patients in the door as I possibly could. And I was the first practitioner to come into my community in 30 years. So the other folks were really well established. They had a great, I won't say social media presence necessarily, but they really were, they were doing a good job on Google. And so I had to find a way to kind of make my practice rise to the top. And I thought YouTube would be a good way to do that. And it has been. Um, the second thing is that over and over in the exam room, I would hear um, patients saying, I think we've all heard it, that they go on YouTube or they go on WebMD or they Google their symptoms. And so I almost saw video, I really saw video as being the future of um, social media, even before Instagram started doing stories and stuff. I just knew that was where social media was going. And so I wanted YouTube to be kind of an extension of my exam room. So if my patients went home and they were like, gosh, she said a lot about dry eye. How long did she say to heat that warm compress? What did she say about this? They could go and they would have a resource that was their doctor instead of you know, going out and finding, like Joe said, you know, maybe misinformation about the eye. Oh, that, I mean, it's definitely worked for both of you guys. It's really branded you. Um, you're very well known. And, 
So if you have, there's colleagues out there who are going to have zero social media presence, really super nervous to get started, not sure how to do it. What would some advice be on the like least painful way to get started for someone? So I think that the easiest place to start is really from a very, very organic perspective. Like don't necessarily feel like you have to do all of these like crazy graphic designs or anything like that. Just start using things within your own grasp, in your own clinic, um, you and your element. My office manager likes to say that people are naturally curious. And so if you play to that curiosity and kind of like pull back the curtain a little bit, um, those are just kind of really easy posts to start with. And I probably would start on Instagram just like I did because I feel like you can really get the reach. You can push those posts out to other platforms. And what about you, Joe? What advice would you have? I think uh, just again, trying to one, be yourself and try to provide something valuable. I always try to put my posts in some sort of mindset of what it is the viewer is getting from it because a lot of most content that people are producing is very selfish content they're just kind of kind of look at me look at me let me talk about what i want to talk about but if somebody's really following you and watching you for a reason then they want what are they getting out of it are they getting some sort of uh, benefit from listening to you talk then then that's what why you're going to really drum up people who are interested in following you and listening to what you have to say so I think the easiest thing for any and all eye care providers that they can do, kind of like Melanie was saying, we talk and teach so much to our patients right in front of us, but most of it goes over their head. They remember that small sliver of the 10 minutes. So what are the most common questions you get from patients? What are you talking about most of the day? You talk about astigmatism probably 20 times a day. You talk about what is glaucoma. Everybody confuses glaucoma and cataracts. Everybody confuses, you know, those simple things uh, that we take it for granted because we have this education, but most people have no idea. So I would say if you can, just turn your camera on on your phone. If you can hold up your phone, turn the camera on and set it up so you can look at the camera and just give your normal two-minute explanation of what astigmatism is. Uh, there you go. You have a video. You can post that on Facebook if you want. You can post that on Instagram. You can go over to Twitter and post it because Twitter does have video as well. Uh, you can post that anywhere. Um, and you'll get, and don't be afraid because you're afraid to put yourself out there. If you feel you're not good on video, post a picture. If you don't even feel like that, write a blog post. You just kind of have to start small and build up that courage and find your voice. I think you're so right. I think uh, I, I was just like that, nervous to get started, you know, worried what would people think? And then I thought, well, why does that matter? It should all be what, well, how I think. And so I think that's really important advice because some people get really scared to do it. And it's, if you're comfortable and confident with yourself and what you believe in to Go for it, try it out. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's true. So when I was going up through school, I was kind of very like academia focused, you know, everything that went with that and never really thought about this kind of, you know, personal branding, you know, cause in school, especially in a science field, branding yourself is a little bit of a foreign concept. 
And so for me, when I started thinking about like even an exit strategy, even, you know, possibly someday, which won't be for a while, you know, what, what do I want people to know me as? Is it just for working at this one practice or is it, you know, me that I can to bring to the table? So I think that there's, there's so many different levels there to build an audience. So with the patients or even with your own doctors or in your own communities, um, and you guys have both really done a really great job, but kind of honing in on what type of, um, content to put out there. Um, when you guys started building your channels, how did you get followers? How did you start building that presence? Because you guys both now have quite, quite a big following and that certainly didn't happen overnight. Melanie, starting with you, how did you, how did you start getting some followers? Um, so for YouTube, I will say that it's really pretty difficult, or I found it to be fairly difficult. Um, most of the people that watch YouTube videos don't necessarily subscribe to your channel. So like my views, um, YouTube has wonderful analytics. And if you look at, if I look at my views, they far outreach, um, how many actual subscribers I have. But I think I've started to build a lot um, more loyal audience by just really interacting with my followers a lot more, paying attention to the videos that they're asking for. The thing is, is that, you know, my YouTube was started so that I could reach my patients and it isn't necessarily my patients that are actually subscribing to the channel. So sometimes that's kind of difficult because my patients are getting them, they're getting my videos from the emails that we push out and our Facebook page. And so I'm getting a lot of views there. So, but anyway, I think what really helps is a lot of interaction with um, the people who are subscribing. Um, and you've got to get your videos out there, which it becomes so important, you know, thumbnails and titling. And I feel like that's something that I'm just starting to kind of grasp because if you don't get your videos out in front of anyone, you know, it seems like on YouTube, they kind of die quickly. They either like do well right away or they just sort of fizzle out right away. I'm interested to see what Dr. Allen says because he has like way more subscribers than I do. <laughs> well, um, I, first of all, everything you said is absolutely right. <laughs> um, I don't know, uh, Melanie, when did, you, when did you start your YouTube channel? So it was in existence in 2017 and then I started doing, I was posting like once a month, just really random videos and then summer of 2018. Wow. Okay. So That's you and I started uh, almost the exact same time. Uh, now when, when I first started, I literally had like nine to 16 subscribers. And that was mostly my family <laughs> and a few of my friends. And that was that for that was that was how many people I had for almost three months. And mm -hmm. I was just consistent being like, you know, somebody out there, one person's gonna get help from this video, and then it's totally worth it because I love this and I love doing this, and I'm gonna keep doing it anyway. Yeah. Uh, and so it was a tough grind for a while just because, yeah, not many people were watching the videos. You, you try to look up your own video and nothing would come up. And you're like, I don't even know like, what I'm doing. Uh, but it, it definitely takes some time. Uh, and I'm not the only person who will tell you this. If you really get into the YouTube trying to use it, 
Yeah, it does take several months, at least three months of posting fairly consistently around the same subject matter for the Google slash YouTube algorithm to even kind of understand what you're talking about. Uh, because believe it or not, there's, there's an, whatever Google you want to call it is, the hive mind of what Google is reads and understands what you're talking about, what you're posting about. If you're showing pictures of something, it recognizes what an eyeball is. It recognizes if you're in a grocery store and there's a can of beans behind you, it recognizes that. Uh, so over time, it'll start kind of tagging and connecting the dots and understanding finally, oh, you're talking about eye care subject and you're talking about glasses and contacts. Okay, so let's, let's kind of put you in a certain subject matter and kind of index you that way. So that, that is certainly part of it. As far as going into getting subscribers, now there, <laughs> there's different thoughts on this because if you go into the if you if you go into video gaming because a lot of video gamers watch like let's play videos. If you have a 12 year old, uh, people who are listening to this, if you have a 12 year old who just watches video games all day, uh, there's kind of a culture in the video game culture not to ask for subscribers, but in most of other YouTube, you need to ask for subscribers because. Most people who use YouTube don't understand what it's subscribing is or what it does uh, or the value of doing it. So like my dad, he's in his 60s. He watches a lot of YouTube. When I started, he, he, has, he still doesn't really understand what hitting the subscribe button means. But if you just encourage them, hey, if you like this type of content, if you like learning about the eyes, if you like learning this, consider subscribing. And then they can click that button. I go as far as even having a button kind of show up as an animation and tell people to click it so they know what to look for. Uh, that's a part of it. Uh, and then just kind of giving it time. And uh, like, kind of like Melanie, you said that you have, what, a few people of all your views? Mm -hmm. Only a few people actually subscribe? That's, that's true across the board for pretty much every channel. I'm, I'm at like nine. I only have like 9.8% of the people who watch my channel subscribe. Yeah. So, I also have heard a lot of YouTubers talk about how those first hundred subscribers are the hardest to get. And then like, and I found that to be true in the first year I got to a hundred and then the second year I got 500 that year. And then this year I'm already, I think I already have 400 new ones. So it's sort of, it really builds over time. It is a momentum game. It's a, it's, you're pushing the snowball and trying to get it to build up big enough. So it'll just roll down the hill itself. Mm -hmm. Now with your YouTube channels, how do you decide on your content? Do you switch it up to tailor it to different audiences or do you stay focused in strictly eye care world? So uh, one of my, uh, so I've uh, a big kind of topic in YouTube again is telling the algorithm or telling the Google, the, the Google hive mind that you're, what you're talking about on the same subject. So if all of a sudden uh, I changed my channel and just talked about uh, doing a review of a new Spider-Man movie, it would probably not do well. People would be questioning, what are you talking about? Uh, so staying on topic, you could do a variety channel if you really wanted to. If you just want to talk a little bit about eye care and then a little bit about your, uh, you're passionate about baseball and you just went all over the place, you could do that, but you would confuse the viewers, it would confuse your subscribers, and it would confuse kind of the, the analytics in the back end. But the, I think for myself, I first started off just answering questions that I knew I was answering every day in the clinic. And then I had this idea of what I wish people knew. Uh, 
I, I want, I feel like in contact lenses, the world thinks, oh, one contact lens is just the same as the other. It's just a different price. And, you know, it's, it's like, no, there's, there's a very big difference. And I feel like if people knew as much about contact lenses as they know about the different brands of phones, about what's better, do I want an Apple? Do I want a Galaxy? Do I want a new one? Do I want an old one? We wouldn't have to have so many long conversations or, or groaning fights over which brand of contact lens is better for you. Um, so there, there's, there's a lot to that. So I've, I've definitely gone into the space of just like, Hey, I want to talk about the technology of contact lenses. I want to talk about the technology of this glasses, AR coding and, and going into things like that, just so that people have that as a resource. Mine started out really dabbling. It's always been focused on my practice. So that's always been the case, but I really started out by dabbling in a lot of different things. Like at first, honestly, my friend, my best friend and I, um, who she's a civil engineer, so she's not even in the eye care world, but she's helped me a lot with starting my practice. So she has an awareness of like frames, but we started um, just doing unboxings. And then we also have done like, you know, things, tours of our downtown when they were having a sculpture show. And, um, but I've really started to kind of hone in and focus um, just like Dr. Allen, I'm answering questions I get all day. I mean, really, I think that those videos do a lot better um, in general, and I think they provide more value. I've also kind of become known a little bit as a transitions reviewer. Uh, I started doing those videos, and those are the ones that do really, really well on my channel and my subscribers. So you can actually see in YouTube where your subscribers come from. The vast majority come from those transitions videos. And so to some extent, yeah, I try to get one of those out at least once a month because I know that that subset of my subscribers, that's what they're wanting to see. So uh, just lots and lots of places. I've changed the way though that I, so they all come from questions that I'm asked. Um, but now I'm, I used to make the video and figure out the title later and figure out the keywords and everything later. And I'm becoming a lot more directed with, um, just like Dr. Allen was saying, like they can hear everything you're doing in that video. I don't know what's going on with algorithm for Google, but I, I've caught on to that now. And so now my videos, there's a lot of pre-planning and it's all very focused around keywords and a specific question. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, so excited. You guys have, we have so much to learn from you guys. Um, so you guys have both put yourself out there in the spotlight. And sometimes when you do that, there's a, can oftentimes be a little bit of negativity that comes with it. So have you guys had any negative comments? How do you handle that? What do you do? I want to ask Melanie, have you, uh, have, how about you go first? Have you had any uh, <laughs> haters or trolls or anybody? Not terrible. Not really that terrible. I've had a couple, uh, snide comments but you can delete them pretty quickly um and i've had a lot of like oh she's so pretty i wish that was my eye doctor <laughs> a lot more of that so sometimes i'm like oh do i leave that do i just delete it i don't you know <laughs> yeah like it's it gets pretty intense sometimes what people will post uh, i i know a lot of the comments I get will be long stories of people telling me their life story of every surgery and terrible things that have happened to their eyes. Uh, there are, there are trolls. Trolls are a real thing out on the internet. 
some people are just angry or they find it entertaining. Uh, some people comment that you won't even understand why they're saying things. Um, there are people who either don't like you as a professional or, or they don't like your hair that day or they don't like the way you talk. Uh, or they'll, they'll just say that, you know, they'll throw out something completely, they'll say that, uh, so as an example, uh, I have vid many videos on eye floaters and some people will comment that I'm completely wrong, I don't know what eye floaters are and that they're actually a type of like virus bacteria that you get from inhaling aerosol that comes from airplanes and people, you know, you get conspiracy theorists and you kind of question, are they really posting that to get people drummed up? Are they getting that to try to get attention or do they seriously believe that? Uh, and then of course, to Melanie's extent, yes, you do get some people who maybe uh, are attracted to you and will even like hit on you and things like that. And you have to kind of weigh, oh, do I leave that? Do I delete it? Do I say thank you? What I do is I go and I, you can, what's nice on YouTube is you can hide an individual from your channel. So they still can go to your channel, they can still watch, they can still comment, but nobody in the world sees their comment but you. So they still think that they're commenting and they think other people are seeing it, but nobody is. So. I find that's exactly right. One of the things with Instagram I get a lot are people asking me if I wanna be their sugar mama or sugar baby. And I'm like, okay, let's delete these. And you're just going, all right. And some of them are from the eye care world and you're going, okay. So. Wow. The worst that happens, you know, we'll take it. But with that being said, there's so many positives. We actually had a question from the audience asked, what's the best response that you've ever gotten on your page on any of the platforms? You know, it's tough to think of what the best response is. Uh, several people will, you know, I, I do try to engage in the comments of your videos. It's actually a really big tip for anybody on social media, whether you're on Instagram, YouTube, or anything, is to show up and comment. If you want to grow on LinkedIn, if you want to grow on Instagram, if you want to go on comment or on YouTube, you need to comment and engage with questions and answer people. Uh, and giving someone attention is like the best gift you can give them. So thankfully, I do get people who occasionally will just leave, wow, this is amazing, I love what you're doing. They'll say how this video helped them, this was exactly what they were looking for, it helped, like it eased their nerves. Uh, it, or even better yet, I had someone even come back and said like, I saw your video last week, and then I, because you mentioned that I should go see my eye doctor, I called my eye doctor right away, got seen, they did have a retinal detachment, and they got it treated and then they came back enough to let me know how my video singly got them to go in to see their eye doctor. I'm like, like that is like that one comment made the entire hours of making the video hundred percent worth it. Uh, so those, you know, sometimes it's tough to continue making so much content, but when you read a comment like that, it, it kind of reignites the fire to keep going. So those are good. So my, the story I kind of was thinking of, um, so I'm really into dry eye in my clinic and about a year ago I had the opportunity to be a test site for a new device that was coming out. And so we got the device in my clinic, my whole team got trained on it. And then I was like telling patients every single day, hey, we're part of this study and you can do this new thing. And I wasn't getting any takers. And so it's like a month has gone by and the company is asking me, hey, how's it going? Like, have you used it on anybody yet? 
and I hadn't. So I made a YouTube video all about the device and the treatment and how I was so excited to be a part of this study. And I pushed it out to my whole patient base um, in an email blast and I put it on Facebook. And so my videos go out every Wednesday at four. And so it went out at, on Wednesday at four and the next morning we came in and we had like three voicemails of people who weren't even our patients, um, who had dry eye, who wanted to be in this study. And we filled the study by noon that day. So that's when I really knew that um, these videos were having an impact and that I could help patients with them like Dr. Allen said. Good story. Uh, I do want to take a brief moment to thank our sponsors for making this programming possible. So big shout out to Allergan, Johnson & Johnson Vision, Airy, Novartis, Santon, Kayla Pharmaceuticals, Avelina Labs, Diametrics, and Dompey. Their support has really uh, allowed us to have this discussion. For both of you guys, we have a question from the audience. Somebody wants to know, um, do you share your personal life on your platforms or in your YouTube channels? What do you guys do? I uh, try to not so, I, I, I think the best practice, is, some people make personal brands where it's just them and their lifestyle uh, and people can do that. Uh, you can certainly mix. I try to mix in a little bit of my personal life just so people understand my personality, uh, like what I like to do uh, because weaving in, because people don't, people don't necessarily fall in love with brands per se. They fall in love um, kind of with the personality that goes along with that brand. And so I try to weave some of my personal things in some of my videos, my cat shows up. <laughs> uh, I mentioned in some videos that, you know, I like video games and, and little things, but I don't make an entire video dedicated just about me and my life. Cause that's not really what things are about. But, uh, I do have uh, on my Instagram, I do Instagram stories, which are just very easy for me to do because they're only 15 seconds and they allow you to be somewhat creative. That's kind of my mini vlog. So if you want to know more about what I'm doing that day or other things that are going on in my life or stresses or, or where I'm traveling to, then it's kind of a snapshot of behind the scenes sort of way. Good point Wait. about Melanie. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I think um, I, I've had a hard time kind of mixing that. For the most part, I don't do a lot of personal stuff um, on any of the platforms. It's pretty professional. Um, I've been dabbling, especially with COVID um, and all this time off. I've definitely been on Instagram more, um, but I feel like once I get busy again in the clinic, that's just so hard for me to keep up with. I don't know how you guys do it. Like Instagram is an every single day thing, just so hard for me to keep up with. But yeah, for mine, it's, it's mostly professional. And like Dr. Allen said, just maybe mixing in a little bit of personal. And I try to show my personality in the videos too. Yeah. Rachel, you on Instagram show a little bit more of your personal life. How, how's that been? Yeah, so mine was a little different approach. I get asked a lot, how do I do all that I do? I, I'm, I'm really good at multitasking, um, you know, being a mom, a business owner, a consultant, um, have different corporations. Uh, so it was like, well, I keep getting asked this. That's how mine all started was, well, let me show how I do it, where my family is a ginormous part of my life, the number one priority. And because of that, they're entwined in everything else I do. So 
whether it may be in clinic eight hours a day or doing admin work all day long, there's a break where I may have an hour and it's my kid time. And I'm really a big believer in um, quality of life, not quantity. So it's not the, all this, I don't calculate how many hours I spend with my kids, but I make sure every minute I'm with them counts. So it's just trying to find that good balance and showing people it can be done and it's not perfect because I'll tell you, it's all over the board sometimes. I've had six weeks with my kids and um, not, I didn't do as much as I thought I would at home, but it's been worth it. So, you know, there's, it's, it's fun building these platforms. I mean, I think Melanie and Joe, tell me with the platforms, what opportunities have you guys gotten into or that have come about from building your platforms? Oh, this is a good one. Um, and, you know, definitely contributing to different um, like magazines and media outlets for optometry. Um, it's given me some community uh, involvement possibilities as well. Um, you know, the Chamber of Commerce asked me to make a video about things that come out. Um, so there's definitely some opportunity there. I think too that, so I also do a lot of like consulting and speaking for different companies. I do think it's made me a lot better in front of an audience for sure. Um, just having to speak to a camera and learning to get my thoughts more succinct, I think it's helped. Yeah, I know just being, starting this whole process, even earlier on when I only had a small section of people watching, I had companies that immediately other uh, sponsors and other people kind of coming at like, hey, this is great. No one else is doing this. We'd love to work with you. Uh, and even today, it's it's opened up so many more doors than I ever thought would possibly happen. Uh, just being able to network with other other um, healthcare professionals, eye, eye care professionals, uh, with other brands that I, that I love and uh, kind of just getting into that now getting in more of that space because I've always wanted to do more education, do more CE speaking, as well as uh, now I'm getting into teaching other eye care professionals through uh, the eye care insiders. So that's, that's a whole other, <laughs> whole other avenue, but something I've, I'm, I'm really loving. Good. So sometimes building a social media presence can take a lot of time. So what does the time commitment look like? And is there enough ROI on that time for people out there that are maybe interested to, uh, you know, get a little return on their investment? Uh, I, 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 I'm really interested to hear what Melanie is doing, um, just because she's juggling the practice at the same time uh, and, and a family, because Melanie, you have a daughter now, right? Yep, so, <laughs> so, so I'm in this kind of this interesting spot where I don't have uh, any children and I don't own the clinic. So with YouTube, I have more or less made it a complete side business. Uh, it's kind of a part-time business. I would like to say I'm only doing it, you know, five or 10 hours a week. But uh, I imagine it's probably a lot more because in a lot of my free time, my brain is still running, think, running things through. The, I currently am still editing all of my videos, which is the most time consuming aspect. Uh, and I know um, for a short time I had an editor, but I didn't like the quality uh, or kind of the, again, the ROI of what I was getting for it. So I, I let them go, but I'm currently in negotiations with another editor that's more local that I get to work with because once you start, uh, realizing how much time, if you're going to be making videos, 
Now you don't have to do that much editing. <laughs> you can make your, your, you don't have to do any editing. You can just take a video and just start off. Hey, this is who I am. This is what we're going to talk about. Give your content. We'll see you next time. Thank you. And you're done. You don't even have to do any editing. Uh, you could just do live streams like this and then you're all set. Uh, but uh, I always, when I started, I knew I wanted to have some level of editing and uh, kind of the production value. And I kind of, maybe in a way, set myself the bar too high for myself because <laughs> now I feel like I need to put in that much time to always hit that. But uh, reality is I probably, I wouldn't be surprised if I hit at least 20 hours a week working on my YouTube channel. Um, not be on the low end. Yeah. So YouTube is super time intensive. Um, that is one thing about it for sure. So when I started it, um, I was starting my practice. And so I actually did have a lot of time. Um, I was married, but my husband's actually in the army. And so we're kind of weird. I started my practice and he was deployed for two years. And so for two years, I mean, I had a lot of time at night and on weekends and stuff. And so really like a lot of the legwork with editing and stuff I did when he was away. Since he's been back and I've had a baby, it's definitely changed everything. Um, at this point, I probably only spend about five hours a week on average. Um, but the way I'm approaching it now is that I create mass content, content at once. So I started doing this when I was pregnant last year. I actually... So I had my baby in July and we had YouTube videos all the way through March of 2020. So I just ran out of the content that I filmed way back last year when I was pregnant. Um, so that's how I've handled some of it. I now actually have an editor for my YouTube. I have a videographer editor. So, you know, Wednesday we have a session and I'm filming four videos and my intro, kind of redoing my channel trailer doing a new intro and then like three content videos. So this week is like more intensive. I've probably put five hours in already and I'll certainly have some more hours in tomorrow. And, and then Wednesday, it's an all day filming session. Um, but I, I think we have like 25 or 30 videos in the bank right now. So that's kind of how I do it is, you know, um, do the planning on the front end, get a whole lot of videos together, um, plan out the content and then you know, really on a week to week basis, because my videos go weekly, week to week, I'm just working on the copy, you know, the little explanation underneath the video and the keywords and the titling. And, um, you know, kind of just those logistical things that go into publishing it. I think that's a, a really powerful tip for anybody and no matter what you're doing, if you're doing things on Instagram, if you're doing things on Facebook, if you're doing things on, on YouTube to uh, batch shoot and plan things out ahead of time. Cause on each one of those platforms, you can schedule things. And if you can dedicate uh, a certain night of the week, you know, if you pick it, you know, Sunday morning, I'm going to spend two hours just creating Facebook posts. Mm -hmm. And you can schedule those out uh, for an entire week or two weeks, a full month if you want. And then eventually you just have all this kind of bank to the side and then you don't have to spend so much energy thinking about it every day. You don't have to do that gear shift. You can just say, okay, I'm going to schedule it this time and then just make sure you keep commenting and engaging and it kind of just runs on autopilot. 
I think that's a really good tip because sometimes social media as a whole can get a little overwhelming. You know, when you're trying to be consistent with your posts, trying to comment and really engage with your audience, that, you know, that's like a full-time job in, in and of itself, let alone your, you know, you, your life as a clinician. So I think that's a really, really good tip. Rachel, do you do a lot of kind of batch production for Instagram on the front end? I do um, for both my personal page that I use more for educating optometrists and talking with um, moms to my business pages as well. Um, we have those scheduled out typically a month and we try to post three days a week. And then it comes to the end of the month, you're like, oh man, I got to do next month. <laughs> it kind of you scramble, but you have enough. We take a lot of pictures in our offices every single day. So we just throw them into a folder um, on a, a phone, like one of the staff's phone will just continuously keep pictures. And we're like, oh great, we forgot we had that, that patient. Let's post her or just different things to keep it going. And um, you know, that's what makes it fun. It just, it's always something you're always thinking, how can we educate? How can we enlighten others? And I think that's one of the things I love about it. Um, I'd love to hear Melanie and Joe, like what you love about the social media platforms and what you may hate about it. Um, my, my thing is I just, I, I love being able to connect with others and, and see things grow and actually see people engage. It's, it's kind of puzzling sometimes when you, you're like, oh, this post is going to be great. People are going to comment. It's going to provide so much value. And then you just get crickets. Like nobody pays attention to it. It doesn't go anywhere. And then you'll just be on a scramble and I'll just post eh, this one quick, you know, like, hey, which is better? One or two is a funny joke. And you just get hundreds of people responding and I'm like why did that blow <laughs> you know so that that's a little fun just kind of uh kind of learning through that process uh at the same time um the to me it feels like uh you can easily start running on a hamster wheel if that makes sense uh because your your brain is constantly uh oh I gotta post more again oh I gotta post more I want to and you get kind of burnt out about it so I think still blocking that time ahead to say no I'm gonna think about it right now so I don't have to think about it later <laughs> uh doing that ahead of time uh certainly batch shooting whether it be videos or photos uh, I think that helps a lot but I, I I get a little sick of the running the hamster wheel yeah so for me Instagram makes me feel like I'm on the hamster wheel because I feel like it's just like it's so incessant like you just have to be on there every day with the stories and the posts and it like it but YouTube has never ever felt that way for me like I love I think YouTube's kind of a perfect fit for me because I love sort of the whole process of creating and having an idea and so YouTube it's it's the creator aspect and then it's the complexity aspect because to be on YouTube um, for me what I'm trying to create I had to learn the lighting and speaking on camera and editing and I didn't know how to edit I mean not at all before this so for me it's like that challenge I think YouTube is just so hard that I really really enjoy it and I've never gotten sick of it I always I'm like oh what are we gonna do next on YouTube um, whereas Instagram I'm like Oh God! <laughs> I, I totally feel you, Melanie. Uh, I am. Uh, Instagram is definitely on my back burner. Uh, I know it's like Rachel's big thing, and uh, like Jennifer size huge on Instagram. Uh, and it's interesting to kind of look at once you get into social media, you start looking at what people are posting or what they're talking about differently. So it's like Jennifer size not just uh, she she's she's more of a travel channel 
that happens to be an eye doctor. It's not really an eye doctor who does travel. And you start to see things a little through a different lens. Uh, and almost everybody's channels that way. There's, it's just, um, again, Rachel could have, she's a family channel and she's a professional and she's a woman. And it's like, it's like, what, how are you presenting that and what's your market and who you're speaking to it? It's just a, it's a completely different way of seeing the world. Um, but yes, it's, it's again, to me, Instagram, there's so many ways you can go with it, but the reach with Instagram is in, is just in, insane. So I think if anybody has some place they need to start using Instagram and, and kind of Facebook together, that's probably the easiest one. But. Yeah, I think that's good. One last topic before we wrap up, hashtags. Some people love them, some people have no idea what they are or key terms you know, for YouTube. Um, for each of you guys, like for somebody who has no idea, can you give an explanation? And then like, how do you guys choose your key terms or choose your hashtag? And what's the importance of those? With, uh, YouTube, well, YouTube, the keywords on YouTube are different than the hashtags on YouTube. Uh, the keywords is a way to kind of tell the algorithm of what's going on in the background, what's your video about who are you, the name of your channel, things like that. Uh, it used to weigh a lot more in YouTube and how your video gets promoted or ranked against other channels and other videos. Since in the last year and a half, YouTube even publicly said, hey, we're diminishing really how valuable those are because again, their system can read what you're talking about, what you're saying, uh, so things aren't completely clickbait. Uh, but hashtags, on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook, although it sounds like they're all about the same thing, they're not necessarily, but it is, a, a, if you really get into how to use it strategically to link your content with what other people are talking about, in example, dry eye, uh, if, so, if you use hashtag dry eyes uh, on Instagram, someone can click hashtag dry eyes and they can see every post anybody's ever talked about where they also hashtag dry eyes. And uh, if you are very savvy enough or if you have done a good job with your post and it's interesting and it gets a lot of attention, a lot of views, a lot of likes, uh, you can rank your post about dry eyes at the top of the search for dry eyes. And people can find you because you're at the very, you're the first picture they see when they type in dry eyes. They don't want to scroll a thousand times to see the very bottom. So there, there's different ways to use that. Uh, I would say if somebody's on Instagram, what you should do is pull up on, on, I like to do it on desktop. You could do it on your phone and mobile as well. But you can go on Instagram's desktop version and you can type in hashtag, you put in a little bar sign, and then you type in whatever words you think would connect to the topic of your post and it'll tell you how many times that post has ever been used. Uh, and if you're really just starting off, you may not rank in the ones that are getting 30 million posts. Uh, your chance of getting in that uh, is very little, but it also depends on strategy. Uh, we could probably get into an entire hour long thing about that. But uh, I think the big thing for people to understand is that don't just make up a hashtag, do some research first to understand what you're posting about uh, and that it makes sense with your post. If that, if that I'll make, if that connects, what, what do you think, Melanie? So 
I'm going to leave hashtags to Rachel because I feel like she's probably got that. I don't really know because I'm making my own up. <laughs> um, as far as keywords, I have started, and you probably know more about this than me as well, but I've started going to Google Trends and really trying to craft my videos around a super unique keyword. Um, like you were just saying, if you use too broad of a keyword, you're not going to hit your audience because you might not rank high enough. So I try to find something very specific and kind of niche down um, in my topic. And then when I make my video, it's not just about hashtagging or putting the keyword there. It's about saying that keyword a lot of times in the video. Cause like he was saying, Google knows you can't clickbait Google. Um, they're listening to your video too. So I really try to use that keyword throughout and make, I almost am making my videos around keywords now rather than making the video and then trying to make keywords match after. Yeah, I find on hashtags, um, honestly, I will use hashtaggy.com mm. and it shows you, you know, if I'm talking about dry eye, you know, you put in dry eye and 30,000 views, just like you said, Joe, 30,000 people are looking at that. And I try to look at ones that are like a thousand to 5,000 people that are really kind of more specific where it might be dry eye and sclerals um, is a hashtag I use. And I find I get more people clicking on that, more comments are on those posts too. So it's just finding not maybe so broad, but tailoring in and using the websites that have kind of the top 10 and maybe use number 11 through 20 <laughs> and just making it a little more specific. I think if you're just starting off, that is definitely the best way. Once you get really big, uh, like Jennifer size, so big now, she can just use hashtag New York City. <laughs> I'm sure she's getting a lot of people that will see her I'm stuff. Sure she's at the top of the page. She's got an awesome page. Yeah. That's good. And that's awesome for optometry, right? When, when a rising tide raises all, all ships. So I think that that's, that's great. So thank you guys so much for being here. I feel so inspired. You guys have motivated me to amp up my online presence. So thank you for sharing your secrets to success. And I'm sure the audience hopefully found a few pearls as well and will also feel inspired. Uh, thank you to our sponsors. And thank you, Rachel, for once again, co-piloting this discussion with me. Yeah, thank you everyone for being on. I feel like it was very impactful. You guys shared so much. Um, that's actually it for us this week. Jeslyn and I will be signing off this week. We're down to just one live episode a week. Uh, we're looking at details for next episode. So keep an eye out on Modern Optometry, uh, Instagram feed and Facebook for the details. And we'll see you soon. Bryn Mawr Communications, industry members, and eye care professionals are coming together to create a forum that connects the vision community in these unprecedented times. This program has been made possible in part with support from our premier sponsors, Allergan, Johnson Johnson Vision, Airy, Novartis, and Santen. We'd like to thank all of our sponsors for their support of this programming. This webcast podcast is intended solely for ophthalmic healthcare professionals and ophthalmic industry representatives. By accessing this webcast podcast, I acknowledge that Bryn Mawr Communications LLC, here in BMC, along with any all third-party corporate supporters of this webcast podcast, makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information presented in this webcast podcast. 
BMC, along with any all third-party corporate supporters of this webcast podcast, do not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any of the opinions or information presented or mentioned. BMC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, reliance on, in this webcast podcast.